like, oh, the day my baby turns four months, they're not going to sleep anymore because everything changes. And that's totally not the case. Like starting at six weeks, the baby starts making their own melatonin where before they just were having it from the mom. With people, when we talk about birth experiences, they might be minimizing their trauma because we've been taught intergenerationally that this is just how it is. Right. Oh yeah, like the doctor made that decision, didn't talk to you about it, of course. Or, oh yeah, you know, they used an implement that was extremely painful for you and uh, often unnecessary. That's just what they had to do, right? There's a normalization of trauma doesn't mean that it's any less traumatic. And everything would just get solved with birth control pills. But I kept feeling like this is counterproductive. Right. Grandmother, my great grandmother had 10 kids. Mm. My paternal grandmother had nine. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, this, this is black people don't have this issue. I've mm. never heard of black people having this issue. Hey, welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I own a group practice where we specialize in women's issues, maternal mental health, and all things wellness. Here on the podcast, we're going to be talking about parenthood, how to take care of yourself, and a little bit of in-between things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Printit was founded by Kelly Hardin. Printit, an arsenal paper company in Kennesaw, Georgia, for all the gifting celebrations in your life. They understand that with gifts, the outside needs to speak just as much as the inside. So they design gift wraps that can speak for any occasion. Anytime you are looking for something for gift wrapping, bags, notepads, and notebooks, planners, and even collections, head over to Printed Shop to get all of your stationary needs. That's P-R-N-T-D shop.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I am excited to introduce my next guest, which is Tabria Corpru. She is the founder and therapist of Compassionate Counseling and Support Services um, down there in Savannah, Georgia. She is also um, a certified in perinatal mental health. And she is an advocate and supporter of Black perinatal mental health and working with women of color. Welcome to the show, Tabria. Thank you so much for having me, Keisha. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited for what our podcast is going to look like and feel like, because it's definitely going to be the field. I know. And you know, I met Tabria through the perinatal space via social media and we met in person for the first time in may at the lpca conference and i'm so glad that you walked up to me um yes sabria just has a beautiful wonderful spirit and then when because like i only know you like in the work setting and then um and at the conference but then when i was preparing for the podcast and i was reading like the facts about you on your mm. website and mm-hmm. I felt like we had these things in common one you played trumpet for six years I played trumpet all for for four years and then oh. um you like home decor I love home decor love I, home love, decor. I love it so much a friend and I flew to Waco 
to go to Magnolia for the weekend. <laughs> really? I love Magnolia. I always like feel like all of the like items are out in Target though. Like I, I can't find anything. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And just like all of those things. Love soul music. We were talking about the Usher concert before we like hop mm-hmm. But that's so cool. But anyway, yeah. um, those are little things that I read about you, but can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you, where you're originally from and um, a little bit about like, did you always think that you would be a therapist? Okay, sure. So my name is Sabria Corpru, like Keisha mentioned. Um, I am the founder and therapist here in Savannah, Georgia, in the Savannah, Georgia area. Um, my solo private practice, uh, Compassionate Counseling and Support Services, where I serve in the perinatal um, realm for women of color. I am originally from Statesboro, Georgia, so it's a little small town, not too far from Savannah, actually, maybe like 30, 45 minutes, depending on how fast you drive. <laughs> um, and I am a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I have a little French bulldog, so I'm also a fur mom, um, and I um, have been in therapy for, um, independently for about five years, so before I came into private practice, I worked a little bit in inpatient, um, I worked a little bit um, on, on the opposite side of therapy and utilization review, which was really different and pretty cool. Um, and I also worked in university counseling. So I worked at SCAD for a little bit before I decided that I needed to be in this area. Um, I always knew that I was going to be in the health profession. I knew that I was going to be in some type of like psychology, therapy, school counseling, like I kind of always knew. I actually am a school counselor, but I also, but I just didn't pursue it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always knew I was going to help um, help people. I just didn't exactly know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always knew it would be like in the psychology realm. I just didn't know like where I was going to go with all, you know, where I w- would go with it. So, yeah. Now, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about you being a mom of two and sometimes mm-hmm. our motherhood journeys help us decide that perinatal mental health is the field for us, like to solidify it. That was the case mm-hmm. for me. Like I knew I had an interest in it, but it wasn't until after I had Ezra that I was like, oh, for sure, I want to support birthing parents Mm -hmm. through this how Mm -hmm. has your motherhood journey been tell us a little bit about that sure so um like you mentioned I am a mom of two um I have a little angel boy his name is Jonah um he was um born sleeping on October the 23rd um in 2019 I was 27 weeks pregnant with him when I found out that he no longer had a heartbeat um and that was um just a complicated space to be in I mean I was so oblivious to what it was like to even be pregnant you know it was like okay I'm just pregnant like I know I need to have a baby shower like I know you know like the baby needs to have a nursery I didn't realize how deep it was 
to be like pregnant and like um I didn't really realize all the disadvantages that I had I was maybe about like 28 years old so it wasn't like I was like a like young young mom mm -hmm. um I was a therapist I was already practicing um well I don't think I was practicing independently just yet but you know I had good health insurance I felt like I was in a good stable space like I was um engaged at the time you know I just kind of felt like I was where I needed to be I didn't realize how complicated and how um I guess knowledgeable I needed to be with being pregnant and so um it wasn't until my experience um when losing Jonah was where eventually down the line I realized like something has to change about this space um I gave a birth in Savannah and I, you know, I had no idea that um, I would go into a hospital and that they would tell me that there was no heartbeat present. Mm -hmm. um, I had went in because I hadn't felt them moving and kicking and, you know, I was big and pregnant and I was actually, I had just had a baby shower that, that weekend. Um, and then I had another one coming up that following weekend. And so, like I said, you know, it was just, I hadn't um, felt them moving. I was a part of like a mom's group. And so I reached out and I was like, it's, you know, it's the oddest thing. I hadn't felt my baby move. Like, is this normal? This is my first time pregnant. Like, you know, I went to the doctor a couple of weeks ago. And while I didn't like love my doctor and I knew he wasn't like the most like attentive, he said everything was okay. And so um, I reached out to the doc to them and they were like, oh, no, you definitely need to go to labor and delivery. Um I call my doctor. He tells me, yeah, you need to go to labor and delivery. Everything will be okay. You know, they're just going to, you know, check for the heartbeat. And I'm pretty sure they'll find it is what he, is what he said to me. Um, and that was just kind of the beginning of like what felt like a nightmare for me. I didn't realize how oblivious like I was to everything until I had that experience up to them sharing with me that my baby didn't have a heartbeat all the way up until, you know, I had to go in for my, uh, my OBGYN appointment, you know, to find out that, you know, my doctor didn't remember the like, you know, psychotropic medication he had given me for the grieving. Um, he um, told me like, you're a therapist, you know, you know, you know what, you know what to do. Oh. Um, and then also like, um, you know, not knowing what to do with like lactating, he had shared with me like um, it it was bringing me so much emotional distress. Like in that postpartum period, like just going through all the like hormonal changes, like all the like lactating and like um like the swelling of my boobs. Like, I had no idea. I had no idea what to do. Like I had to reach out to some of my friends who were moms and they're like okay we're coming over but he had told me like you know just put cabbage on it so it was that experience that kind of helped like kind of push me into this position of being in the perinatal um mental health like realm because I was like if I it, like struggle with this mm -hmm. like I know for a fact like moms with like less resources like moms who were like oblivious who didn't even probably realize because I also didn't realize that people had like stillbirth like I was completely like I thought after 12 weeks this was it you know like the baby was going to be good like I was just so um confused yeah. um that I just you know that is what drove me here and then 
Of course, I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, Nova, who's now two years old, about six months after we lost Jonah. And um, they were aligned on the same exact, like, like his due date was like January the 23rd and hers was January the 22nd. So it was so much anxiety, yeah. like around like carrying her. Um, it just was mind blowing. Like every week that, you know, I would be tracking his progress. I also had to track her progress the same exact time. Um, I was so um, anxious. I had actually switched providers because, you know, as we kind of get further into this, I'll tell you a little bit more about like the provider that I had. So I had switched to a lady provider who was a lady of color, but she was so dismissive. Mm. Like she knew about my like um, stillbirth with Jonah, but she was just not the best provider for me. I did not feel comfortable with her at all. So at about Mm, 29, 30 weeks with Nova, I changed OBGYNs and I got with my current OBGYN because I was like, there is no way that I can like suffer another heartbreak. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I would survive it. Yeah. And so I need to get with a provider that I trust that's going to listen to me, that's going to like support me, that's going to educate me and also like not make me feel so small about some of the questions that I came in like my that lady provider before that was so invalidating um and um I just didn't feel safe with her Mm -hmm. and so I got with another provider um and um she was really great you know she like the first time meeting with her we met for like two hours and she was like I know I was like I've never had like a provider meet with me for this long she was like ask all the questions like you know she was so attentive she was like okay we'll get you to come in like every week you know like you can come in multiple times a week if you want to if that makes you feel comfortable we just want to get you in a good space like they got me with a high risk provider because Losing Jonah, they never did any like follow up testing or like really didn't ever specify like how a ha- a health completely healthy mom and a completely healthy baby how he like how he passed like what was the reason behind it. So she got me with like a um, high risk provider who was also very attentive. Both of them were um, black women, women of color providers here in this area, which we don't have a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, And um, again, I was so anxious through my pregnancy that uh, we ended up um, taking her about as soon as we could. So we did like a medical induction um, because of how much anxiety I had and my husband had too. Um, And um, since then, it's just been a lot. Like it's, it's been a cluster of grief, you know, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, a little bit of postpartum rage. Mm. Um, I've kind of had a little bit of all of it, a lot of um, uh, trauma throughout this experience of being a mom. And so it's been a lot of challenges, but it's also been a lot of really like good moments, like being able to, you know, like serve other women of color who may have no idea about some of the disadvantages that they have just because of like the color of their skin of like maybe not having um you know all the resources or knowing all things about you know like pregnancy and motherhood 
And so lots of challenges, but also lots of rewards with being a mom. That is awesome. And and thank you for sharing all of that because that I could just imagine like three years of it being just like a whirlwind of highs, lows, joy, celebrations and challenges mm-hmm. and difficulties. And yeah, I know just from working with clients how much anxiety can come about when it's a pregnancy after a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially like because both pregnancies were so close together mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. that could, you know, help inspire you to want to work specifically with this population because there is mm-hmm. such a now sure. with the first provider, um, mm-hmm. and you describing like how dismissive and how you know you know what to do and, and whatnot. It's wonderful that you switch providers. Um mm-hmm. and it and it's important that we do talk about that for just like everybody mm-hmm. that we work with, that that's important that you have somebody who's paying attention and that is empathic and and listens. Mm -hmm. Um, When did you feel like it was like a moment of clarity for you to know like, oh, he, this person is just not the one for me? Um, Well, with the first provider who was um, Jonah's OBGYN, um, it was the entire experience, like being in the hospital and like, um, like his communication style, like um he didn't deliver Jonah. It was like a student, like a Georgia Southern like student who was there to like, you know, deliver Jonah. It was like the worst experience at the hospital actually, like with the nurses there. Um, some of the nurses, not all of them, but like just not letting like, you know, like our moms come in to like visit. Um, just like it, just everything around his communication style. And then it was that that appointment that I had like that follow-up appointment um it was like so awkward it it was it was so awkward um and it almost felt really awkward for him and I don't know if like he was like responding out of like anxiety or awkwardness but like coming like you know allowing me to come in and just like not really like providing me with like what supports I have in the community or just available in general. Um, not really like honoring my experience. It was just kind of like, okay, your baby is dead. And now you would just do what, you know, other moms do, you know, like put cabbage on your, I mean, no options, no talking through. So I just knew immediately, like when I get pregnant again, like I absolutely cannot use that provider um, to only find out that like um, he is like a very like well-known provider in the area and like most moms have the same experiences. Um, everybody is like, no, like do not go to him, like red flag, like, and so again, that was one of the reasons why I knew I had like I wanted someone who was going to be supportive but who was also going to like educate me or like even like dig a little bit further like okay it appeared that you know when I gave vaginal birth to Jonah that he had you know cords wrapped around his neck his ankle his wrist um but let's do some further testing so if you decide to get pregnant in the future we'll know exactly what to look for or like you know x y and z None of that happened. And that was not someone that I was going to want to pay to, you know, oversee me, you know. 
And then when I got pregnant with Nova, before I got pregnant with Nova, I had already needed to switch OBGYN. So I was like interviewing people in the area. And I thought I had done a really good job about going in and doing that first appointment and just kind of, you know, trying to see who would be a good fit and if our personalities work well with one another, you know, if they had some of the characteristics and qualities that I needed in a provider for when I did decide to get pregnant. And so when we got pregnant, um, it just wasn't a good feel. Like, and I had, I wish I had followed my gut like sooner, but at some point it was just like any questions that I would bring to her because I would definitely like have them written down on a piece of paper or like in my notes and my phone like she would shut them down immediately uh, when my husband would come to the appointments like she really like she really responds to him I could tell so she would respond to him but it was like she did not like validate any of my questions everything that I would mention it almost was kind of comical to her oh um like you know coming up with like a postpartum plan it was just like I mean yeah you can you can develop a postpartum you know like care plan but like you know or like a um a birth you know a birth delivery plan but I mean you know we might not get to use it or whatever you know whatever it was just more just another provider that I just knew like in my heart was not going to be a good fit my turning point with her was um I had an appointment and I was in my third trimester, but like young in my third trimester. And she was measuring my stomach and she was like, oh, this is going to be a big baby. Um, we're probably going to want to look into going into a C-section. Just, and immediate, I said, just off, off immediately, just. like she, she said that because of my stature, that I was more prone to having a C-section than a vaginal birth. And she asked me, she said, well, did anybody, like, do you have um, sisters and how did they deliver? And I said, well, yeah, I do have sisters and they delivered by C-section. However, my sister was really young when she gave birth and she probably didn't know that she had any other options. She asked, well, how did your mom deliver? I said, well, she had C-sections, but she also was born in the 70s and probably also just went along with whatever the provider suggested to her. So, I mean, I don't, I'm, I was trying to correlate, like how, how did the correlation match? Like my sister, my sister and my mom having a C-section, what did that have to do with me having a C-section? Right. So she was just like, well, I'm just letting you know right now, you know, like, because like of like your stature and I was just explaining to her like I know a lot of moms who are like smaller than I am who carry you know nine and ten pound babies and they still give vaginal birth and she was right. just like well basically that's that's she'll just we'll have to see but that's not that's uh -huh. not what's probably going to happen so I it's knew like she was like missing the fact that obviously you sound like you want to have a vaginal birth so what can we do to to make that happen and if worst case scenario if you had to have a c-section we'll do that but i hear your preference is a vaginal birth it wasn't if there's an emergency then we'll go because i'm com i was completely open like whatever it took to have a healthy baby hey c-section whatever you know i just want to make sure that my baby is here and that she's healthy but no she um you know she wanted 
her preference was a C-section. And so also I started know that talking. sometimes like people measure big, not necessarily because it's a big baby. You could be full of amniotic fluid. You could just be having inflammation. You could just be swollen. It could be many of the, sometimes people think it's a nine pound baby and they had a baby. The baby's like six pounds, five ounces. My baby was like seven pounds and one <laughs> ounce when she was born. Um, and so she wasn't like, she was a, you know, she was a tiny, she wasn't a, a big baby. I don't know what she thought I was, you know, what she was measuring or what she assumed what happened. But I remember when I got to Dr. Nikenji Jackson, who's my current OBGYN, who delivered Nova, she was taken back because she was like, I mean, I'm no, like, I can't foresee the future. She was like, but if you want a vaginal birth, Sure, because I had given, you know, I had a vaginal birth with Jonah. Now, granted, he was really tiny, but I was like, you know, this is my preference. This is what I would like unless there was an emergency. And she was like, sure, absolutely. You know, like, I just can't, I'm not like, you know, like a world reader. Like, I can't see what's going to happen in the future. But yeah, she was um, really supportive. And another thing that I want to throw back in there about, um, uh, the that provider that I had before I started seeing Dr. Jackson was that she so while I don't struggle with high blood pressure or hypertension um and it probably was just like her giving me a lot of anxiety while I was in the office but I had a little bit of an elevated um high blood pressure at some point and she never mentioned anything about it to me um doctor that was another reason why dr jackson was like anytime any woman of color especially black women come in with even a little bit of an elevation of high blood pressure we immediately send them you know we treat them and then we also have the high risk providers treat them because it's a risk you know it's a risk for black people but the doctor had never shared that information mm -hmm. with me so it's just another like one of those like situations where you miss these little things about us black women or women of color. And then it like turns into, you know, miscarriages or stillbirth or us losing our own lives, you know, because you just didn't acknowledge or validate, like even that one little thing could make a huge difference. Right. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. So something that I've been wanting to get into it with you since you've talked about three different providers. Fortunately, you know, you hit in the lottery with the third one, but having yes, to go through, you know, two mm -hmm. other ones that were not good at all. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what is it like in South Georgia? Like what, how are the disparities are, are the providers well educated on being able to treat and also the mental health impacts of their patients and, and how are Black mamas being served? Like, what are the, the disparities and the resources look like? That's such a good question. And it, I don't even know where to even start. Um, I feel like the area in South Georgia is, just has a lot of growing to do around like the racial disparities piece, because I don't even know if providers even recognize that they have these racial disparities. And so they don't realize how that affects their quality of treatment and maternal care for moms of color, mm -hmm. right? And so like, 
Um, lots of education definitely needed around like um, uh, just cultural humility, mm. like being able to provide that to everybody, you know, and not limiting it to, you know, a certain population or a certain, you know, color of people, because that's not fair. Um, in this area, there, um, there's not a lot of providers that are like, that are Black uh, in all aspects. Like, I don't know a lot of Black therapists in this area. I don't know, uh, there are not, you know, there's one Black OBGYN and then, well, there's two and then one is a high risk. And so there's just not enough providers that I feel are passionate about women of color. Um, I believe that it just, we just have a lot of growing to do in this area and it's just not enough of us to, um, to, to really like do that. You know, it's just not a lot of us out here. So, um, lots of work to be done, lots of work, lots of education. I feel like, um, even the providers, like the, some of the OBGYNs that are not of color, um, that are like advocates for like, you know, making sure that women of color and like women are getting like the proper maternal care. Like it's just so many people and just not enough providers to be able to like fully like advocate, if that makes sense. So it's a very, um, it's just a scary situation out here. It's not a lot. It's not a lot to, um, it's not a lot that's being offered. And it's a lot of women in this area that are of color and that are really struggling and suffering because they just don't know. And they don't have people and providers in place to provide all of that education and some of those good resources. And to be honest with you, even some of the providers in the area don't even know these resources exist. Mm. Yeah, I've learned that. Like, they don't know they exist, and they also don't know a lot about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Like, you know, so um, they're being misdiagnosed with things like postpartum depression. It's just, it's a lot of education that needs to happen in this area. It's just, it's so layered. And I'm Mm -hmm. originally from Milledgeville. And Mm. so I'm aware of, even just like growing up, I felt like, from Macon down, there was just like a, a gap, basically. And yeah. I remember when I was in high school, it was in Dublin, and Dublin had a segregated prom and homecoming court. And I don't even think that that ended that many years ago. And so, you know, if you know if people are still having segregated proms, how are they going to show up? in the birthing space for black mothers if that if that racial divide is a thing on that level so whenever you do work with black mothers who come in for counseling um and knowing like there are the lack of resources available or even just like education from a provider standpoint in the medical space how do you help support them or, or what suggestions do you provide for them to kind of navigate these territories? Mm-hmm. So I always try to make sure that I like 
gauge exactly what they're being communicated. And I always um, encourage my clients to go out and get second opinions. Like it's not too late to get a second opinion. Um, here are some providers. I try to be really mindful about having a list of providers of OBGYNs in the area. Like here's some providers. Why don't you go and try to get a second opinion about, you know, what this might look like? Because obviously, you know, the that piece of, you know, like medical is out of our scope. So it's not a lot to, um, it's not a lot that I can do, you know, per se in the aspect of like, okay, seeing what's going on, you know, you need someone who's trained and qualified and skilled in the area. And so I always encourage my clients to go and get a second opinion and third opinion and fourth opinion, like however many times you need to. I also am really big about changing providers, you know, as of course you've heard. And so, you know, if you need to change providers or to get further support and more clarity, you don't have to be afraid to do that. You have that right because you pay them regardless of you know, what type of insurance you have, that is you, you know, making sure that they are getting paid. And so um, uh, there's also like so many like other resources that I've learned about being in this room. And one of them is um, Operation Miss. And I don't know if you've heard about Operation Miss, but you will because at the, um, at the upcoming uh, the Black Maternal Summit, Catherine Sylvester, Dr. Catherine Sylvester, who's a physical therapist and the founder of Operation Mist, is going to be speaking there. So you'll get to hear a little bit about what she does, but she has a smartwatch that her that she uses to monitor for um, all things, right? Um, um, uh, anxiety from anxiety to um, preeclampsia to, I mean, you name it, the smartwatch can track um, uh, anything that puts the moms and the babies at risk. And so there um, are a group of Black physical therapists that are like on call 24-7 because they're constantly monitoring through this smartwatch that they have um, through Operation Miss. So also teach moms about that extra like layer of support like when they can't find a medical provider who um who can you know like give them the answers that they need or if some information is like conflicting um if they can't find like that second opinion then I always recommend Operation Miss because Operation Miss have caught a ton of like challenges that moms might moms and babies are facing through the smartwatch. Wow, that is awesome. It it really, really is. Um, I met Dr. Um, Sylvester through the Mix and Mingle with Mocha Mamas that I hosted um, about a year ago. And basically the goal of it was just to provide moms, um, specifically moms of color with um, different support in the maternal realm, like lactation support, physical therapy, um, uh, like pediatrician support, um, occupational therapy. So I like connected with a lot of providers here in Georgia and Dr. Sylvester was one of them. And she came, she and her partner, um, Dr. Jessica Thompson, who's also another black physical therapist who also monitors these smartwatches. They came in like so, you know, share the information and education around Operation Myth. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. 
That is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so switching gears a little bit. Okay. Um, I know that some people will write in and ask questions um, that they would like to have answered on the show. And one of them was, how does someone go about becoming certified in perinatal mental health? And mm -hmm. I know you talked about your journey of what inspired you. Postpartum Support International. So I found out about it um, from another um, uh, birth advocate and supporter. And she is someone that I'd love to connect you with too. Her name is Keisha Wells and she lost twin boys. And she was someone who really like held my hand through the process of like getting my practice started. But anyway, she um, shared with me about like the scholarship that they had for like, you know, um, like, you know, people of color who wanted to learn a little bit more about like this space that we're in. And so I did a, um, and I want to say it was like, couple of years ago and it was virtual then because it was during the pandemic but I did a training um for perinatal mental health um and it was like a course it was several hours and it was over a course of days and then I did the two-day advanced training um for um clinicians or for therapists and so um those are the two steps that you would need to take before being eligible to sit for the exam. Now you also have to get like um, approval to sit for the test. And so I've gotten the approval for the test and I haven't been like actively studying for it, but I do plan to move forward in getting it um, really soon. It just has been something that I know I need to get so that I can show how dedicated I am to this space. Because it hadn't necessarily stopped me from getting clients and like um, clients coming here and still, you know, um, uh, being moms and wanting that support. But I also just want to show how much I'm dedicated to this space and how much um, I believe in like perinatal mental health. So I do plan to sit for my um, the perinatal mental health exam. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. What um. When you talked about how you had to navigate uh, pregnancy after loss and having so much anxiety, even your husband had anxiety, is there anything you would like to share that you found to be helpful having gone through that experience? Was there any type of apps or resources or exercises that you did that kind of got you to the finish line? Yeah, um, so therapy. <laughs> was really, really important for me individually and for us to do it, you know, from a couple standpoint. So therapy would be one of um, like the first recommendations and interventions that I would recommend just because it allows space for you to like share your experiences, like without judgment. Um, and to do it in a way that like, because my first therapist actually was someone who was certified um, mm -hmm. as a perinatal mental health counselor in this area. And so that was very helpful to have her, you know, have experience and, and being a mom and like even helping me like navigate, navigate how to deal with um, like the first medical provider, like I wrote the medical boards on him and like just helping me like figure out how I can feel like I did something. 
and not just kind of sit back and let these things kind of happen to me. So that was very helpful. Um, also, um, like I mentioned to you, Keisha Well, she is like, um, she's just like this really humble, like, beast, you know, is what I call it. I'm like, she's just so humble, like, because she's one that you will not, like, you won't really know that she's moving, but, like, she's moving. So she had written a book mm -hmm. um, called From Three Heartbeats to One, um, and it's a gentle companion offering hope and grieving pregnancy and infant loss. And that also was very helpful for me to kind of just have um, reading, you know, someone who had similar experiences and going through some of the exercises that she offers in her book. So that was very helpful. Um, obviously, like holding on to our like spiritual, um, spiritual support in our faith was really big for us. Um, and just like affirming that, you know, there was really nothing that we did or that I did to contribute to that, um, to that loss, you know, I did everything that I was supposed to do. Um, and, you know, not really taking on that guilt and that shame and embarrassment that, you know, ultimately were things that I felt when I had lost them. That is good. Those are all really, really, really good ones. How did you go about, because I get this question all the time, how did you go about to find your therapist? Um, Let's see, how did I go about finding her? I want to say um, it probably was through Google at that time. I want to say I Googled and then I was just somehow maybe came across her psychology today at that at that time and that was you know I kind of read you know what her experience was and what she was trained in and I'm like okay she works with moms she works around pregnancy um and infant loss like I definitely need to be seeing someone who like understands the struggles of this so that was how I found her but there's so many other spaces to find therapists and um who are trained or skilled and specialized in this area and Postpartum Support International has a directory um, that I'm listed on, and you're probably listed on it too. Um, and it, I think there's like a badge for those who are certified and those who are not. But that's a good way to find therapists who are trained in this area. And then, of course, there's other directories out there, like Therapy for Black Girls. And Therapy for Black Girls is one that I get tons of inquiries on. Um, you can, you know, um, list of what it is that you are um, trained in or what you specialize in or what you mostly focus on in your practice. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about was you have a, pro a product, uh, a card deck that's coming out mm -hmm. <laughs> soon. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So it's been something that I've wanted to do. Um, for a while, just because of the population that I serve, um, I just feel like, um, you know, they're constantly needing validation. They constantly need affirmation. They constantly need support. And so I have a few deck of cards coming out um, and they should be coming out by the end of this month and ready and available for um, purchase. But there's going to be affirmation cards for um uh, for a specific area. So affirmations for moms who are struggling with postpartum depression, affirmations for moms who are struggling with postpartum stress, 
affirmations with moms who are struggling with postpartum intrusive thoughts mm. and then affirmations um, for moms who are struggling with anxiety. And so um, they're just gentle, you know, affirmations just helping moms outside of, you know, therapy and support that they have in communities to be able to like pick up these deck of cards and be able to look themselves in the mirror or wherever and um, read aloud some of the things that they need to hear from themselves that they would either get from like other people or other, you know, their, their therapists. Wow. That is amazing. And so needed. Yeah, I'm that intrusive thoughts. Like, Oh, intrusive thoughts for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a big one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where will yeah. people be able to go and purchase the card decks whenever they are like? So right now, um, my website is going to be best and I'm going to send out like an email to like all the providers that I can, where they can, um, where they definitely can purchase them from. But we're also trying to get some things put together so that they can be sold on Amazon as well. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if there is anyone that's listening to the podcast and everything that you said has resonated with them and they would like to consult with you, schedule anything with you, how can people find you? Sure. So um, my private practice is Compassionate Counseling and Support Services. Um, we have a Instagram and Facebook page. So the Facebook page is Compassionate Counseling and Support Services, LLC. And then the Instagram page is underscore, um, or let me go back. So it's at Compassionate Counseling and then it's the underscore. Um, I also have a website, www.compassionatecounselingllc.net that you all can visit. Um, and if you click there, there's tons of like little areas where you can like, let's get started or like, you know, begin consultation. You can also call me on um, my call number. My phone number is 912-325-9855. You can also email us, um, hello at compassionatecounseling.sprucecare.com. Um, and we're, we're more than happy to, to get something set up or get you all started. So. Yay. Awesome. All right, Tabria. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I am excited about the card deck. I can't wait for them to come out. I'm going to be following to see when the release is. And Ooh. I'll thank you for sharing your story, um, and talking about loss as well as working through anxiety and switching providers and advocating for yourself. Um, and then thank you so much for the work that you do. And although there aren't many Black providers in South Georgia, it's a blessing that you are one of them and are able to help our Black mamas. Sure. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did recording it. I loved having Tabria on the show. She is a wonderful person and a wonderful clinician. And speaking of Black maternal mental health, the Postpartum Support International Georgia chapter will be hosting their third annual Black Maternal Mental Health Summit this Saturday on July 13th from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. It is virtual, so you can be able to log in from wherever you are to be able to view it, and it's also free. If you head over to the postpartumsupport.net, 
go to the Georgia chapter. You'll be able to read all about it and sign up and register. And they're also offering some giveaways. And I will also be presenting at the summit. I'm going to be speaking on combating fears for our black mamas whenever we are reading all of these statistics online, hearing about it, seeing it on social media. It brings up so much anxiety for so many people, which is understandably so, but we often don't hear about what we can do when learning about those statistics, how we can navigate our own motherhood journey, our birthing journey, um, so we can maintain our mental health, so we can feel empowered and we can own our journey and have some control over it. And I always like to say this quote of not allowing the statistics to define your fate. So head over there, sign up, register, it's free. Or if anyone you know that could benefit from attending, I'm gonna put the link in the show notes. You can be able to click, click it and send it to folks you think could benefit from it. But until next time, Keep on pushing.